You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Do you want more stories of military women veterans? I just launched a book sharing 28 stories of military women. It includes stories ranging from women in the process of joining the military to women who have served and retired. Stories from the Army, Air Force, Marines, and Navy. But don't take my word for it. Hear what Natalie said about the book. This is a fabulous collection of inspirational stories of endurance, struggles, and women forging their own futures. The diversity of their background and experience is fascinating, but the broad range of military careers is astounding and sets to heart how integral women are in the military. This is a must-read for anyone considering a career with the armed forces or struggling to figure out their future career. The challenge and adjustments these women have made to create the life best suited for them is the type of motivational encouragement that can help others be confident in reaching their dreams. Check it out on my website, Airman to Mom. Dot com or on Amazon. My guest today is Mariah Hammond. Mariah is a military spouse and is currently in the process of joining the military. I had the opportunity to interview Mariah for my book, Women of the Military, that you can find a link to in the show notes. And I'm excited to follow up with her as her journey to military life has not been easy. I wanted to talk to her about how much time it takes to join the military and some of the challenges people face while working to join the military. I'm excited to interview you today. I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited to do this. All right, let's talk a little bit about why you decided to join the military. Well, I decided to join because it's something that I've always wanted to do since I was little. There's a song, it's kind of funny, by Toby Keith. can't remember the name of it. It's like the Red, White, and Blue song or whatever. And I remember ever since I heard it the first time, I was like, Mom, we need to play this on the 4th of July. She was like, why? I was like, it's such a good song. And I was in like elementary school, probably second or third grade. And every time I heard it, I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do what Toby Keith is talking about in this song. And there just have been a few other experiences that I've had throughout junior high and high school that really made me have that fire in my heart for joining the military. Once I went into high school, I kind of decided that the college route was probably what I was going to go because I just didn't know what branch I wanted to do. And that's just kind of how that happened. And so you ended up marrying someone in the service, right? Yes. So your husband's on active duty right now. Yeah, he's active duty with the Air Force. And you're working to enlist into the Air Force? Yes. And so what has that process been like? It's been a very lengthy process. So my husband and I went to high school together, and I was actually the first person to talk to a military recruiter. I went and talked to an army recruiter, but I just did not like the things that he was telling me and kind of seemed like everything was sounding too good to be true. 
And I, at the time, I hated flying and I did not want to join the Air Force because I thought the Air Force was just pilots. I knew nothing about the Air Force and I didn't want to join the Marines and the Navy I was iffy about for certain reasons, but just people have told me. So I was kind of like, okay, go to college, figure it out. So I talked to my husband about it when we were just best friends and he was like, you know what, I need to start talking to a recruiter. So he started talking to an Air Force recruiter and his journey started pretty quickly while I was still back home just doing community college, working on my degree. And he just, he went to tech school and we started talking and we were kind of like, okay, you know what? We want our relationship to start. So fast forward, we got married and everything. I moved over here. And when I saw the base, I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy because where he's stationed is where BMT takes place. So he showed me the BMT squadrons and I was like, wow, that's where you've been for two months when we weren't able to talk. And I was, it just really, that fire in my heart started going again. So we were married for about a month or two. And then I was like, hey, I really think I want to try to join the Air Force. And he was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I it, remember in high school, I really wanted to do it. I was like, yeah, okay, go ahead and contact a recruiter. So I got a hold of a recruiter and then I had just a random walk-in appointment to go in and talk and ask questions. And all of a sudden, I had a kidney stone pop up. So that kidney stone actually delayed my process for an entire year. <laughs> from there, after I was cleared from the kidney stone, at least to physical at MEPS, I went up, took my physical, I just realized I totally skipped over the ASVAB part. My husband took the ASVAB in high school, and because I wasn't completely sure about what route I wanted to go, I wasn't going to, in a way, waste my time taking the ASVAB. So I had to take the ASVAB here at my MEPS station, and so when I did that, I went up. I didn't have to stay at the hotel or anything. The ASVAB was the only thing I never had to stay at the hotel for. Uh, I actually took the ASVAB twice because I wasn't very happy with my first scores. And by taking it the second time, it opened up probably, it was like 20 or 30 additional jobs just taking the ASVAB the second time. So your job is based on your ASVAB score, so you were able to take it again to make your scores go up so that you had more opportunities when you get to join the Air Force? Yes. And was that difficult or is it pretty common that you can retake the test? I think it's really up to your recruiter because with my recruiter, he told me that there's a lot of recruits that he doesn't like to let them retake the ASVAB because a lot of the times if you retake it, your score will be lower for some reason. So he only lets his recruits that he knows will do better the second time around retake it. So you were going to the recruiter the first time and that's when you had the kidney stone? Yeah. First time I went was when I had the kidney stone. And then did you meet with the recruiter that day? Like the day I got the kidney stone? Well, like how did, how'd you go from the kidney stone to the ASVAB, I guess is my question. Like when did okay. you meet the recruiter? 
I went when it was probably a couple of days after I had gotten my kidney stone. And then we kind of just asked a couple questions back and forth. And then the recruiter at the time was a different recruiter than who I currently have since she's no longer in the Air Force. So she said, okay, come back in a few months and then we'll get stuff set up. So a few months later, I went in and even though I was temporarily disqualified at the time for the kidney stone, I was still allowed to go up and take the ASVAB. Okay. So I was still able to do some sort of processing, but I just wasn't able to get to the physical part. You mentioned that the kidney stone delayed the whole process a year. So what happened? So you got your ASVAB, you retook it, and then were you kind of like waiting so you could get cleared to pass at MEPS or go to MEPS? Yeah, the whole time. It was from October 2017 to October 2018 that I was waiting. That's a long time to wait. (laughs) (laughs) And then you went to MEPS in October and even that part didn't go very smoothly. Can you talk a little bit about that? So I got approved to physical in October, but my MEPS date wasn't until the beginning of November, I believe. So I went, did the whole, you have to, for most MEPS trips, you have to check in at a hotel the night before. And I'm only 30 minutes away from our MEPS, but just since I know how the bases work and the gates can shut down and stuff, I chose to stay at the hotel and take the shuttle with all the other people going to MEPS instead of driving my personal vehicle. Just because if you got stuck in traffic in a personal vehicle, they won't let you process. So if you have the option to take the bus and at the hotel, just take the bus because it saves you in the long run. So I checked into the hotel. They give you a meal voucher for dinner, and a meal voucher for breakfast. You usually have a roommate at the hotel with you, and it's never, a roommate's not terrible. I have to get used to sleeping with at least 50 other girls in the same dorm anyways. Sometimes it's someone who's shipping out. Sometimes it's their first time at MEPS. My last roommate, since I've been to the hotel about four times now, she was a Navy shipper, so I didn't really talk to her because I know sometimes they just kind of want to do their own thing, especially if they're shipping. And she stayed up kind of later in the night, but I had a feeling that she was a shipper. And then I talked to her the next morning on the bus and found out that, yeah, she was a shipper. So I was like, okay, I'm glad I didn't get upset about her being on the phone late at night or anything. And then we have, it it was a wake up call of like 3.30 in the morning. So wake up, get dressed and everything go down, have breakfast, and we had to be on the bus by 4.45 in the morning, and we got to MEPS around 5. Then from there, you go into the building, they have you go through metal detectors, make sure you're not bringing any contraband in, and then you go to your liaison, you check in with your liaison, get a tag, and then you head up to the medical control desk. And from there, it's where the very, very long and hurry up and wait happens. So it's basically just a regular physical, except in different stations. So you have hearing, you have blood pressure, eye test. That was all that we did first. And we had a medical briefing, which was probably like 30 minutes long, with filling out even more paperwork. 
and of course like just briefings of what to expect from Epps, who's in charge, the commander, all of that. And then you go back and start and then you're separated into male and female groups. And that's when you do the urinalysis, blood work, and uh, the infamous duck walk and all of that, and then the private physical. So I had been cleared for everything, and then we get to the physical, and something else came up with the physical. So even though I was cleared for the kidney stone, there's another medical situation that went on, and I wasn't quite following the doctor when she was giving me the physical but she said, okay, you need to go talk to the chief medical officer about this. And I was like, oh, okay. And I still thought that I was going to swear in. At that point, I had talked to another doctor who reviewed my medical records, and I was told that I was going to need a consult for a CT scan for my kidneys to make sure that I didn't have any new kidney stones. Even though I had already gotten scans done with my doctor's, MEPS still wanted their own things just to make sure, which was kind of funny because I got the scans done. I did them at the military hospital that they used the consults for, so it was kind of like it's the same thing, but they needed that consult for them to feel better, which, I mean, that makes sense. So I went and talked to the CMO about the other thing, and he was like, okay, well, you're permanently disqualified today. You won't be able to swear in. Your process stops right now until your waiver is approved. So at that point, I had already been waiting over 12 months to swear into the delayed entry program. Talking to the CMO, I'm sitting there trying not to cry because it's military stuff. And so I get done. I have to, I had to check out with medical, go back down to my liaison, explain the situation. And they were like, all right, we'll go ahead and get your waiver stuff sent up and we'll go from there. So <laughs> I had so many roadblocks in this process because when my waiver was submitted, there was the partial government shutdown. So the waiver board was affected by the shutdown. So what takes about two months max to get approved, it took four months to get approved because my waiver was literally just sitting there in a pile <laughs> waiting to get looked at because no one was able to be working. That's crazy. I didn't, I knew that it took a while, but I didn't really know what happened. That's a huge impact because, I mean, you're just one of many people who went to MEPS who required a, ma- a waiver and all those people were sitting there waiting and waiting. And I'm sure you were like kind of near the beginning of the shutdown. So it just got worse as like time went on. Yeah, exactly. And then what uh, what happened too was some paperwork was filled out wrong by someone at MEPS. So my waiver got kicked back for that. So it said something like waiver sent back without further uh, processing due to incomplete blah, blah, blah. And so they sent that paperwork back up. And then a month later, it got kicked back again because there was more paperwork missing. And I, I think there were like three weeks in a row, I kept getting text messages from my recruiter saying, hey, they're missing this. Can you get this for me? Hey, they're missing this. I need you to get that. And finally, there was a time period where I wasn't hearing from him. And I was like, okay, I think we have all of the paperwork. And then he calls me and he says, hey, MEPS wants another consult, which was weird because usually they'll schedule the consult the day you got disqualified. 
So we don't know what was going on with that. Maybe they were already caught up with the other consult that I had going on. So my process was delayed once again because I had to wait for a consult. So I got the consult, got approved from the consult, and all of that paperwork was sent up. And then once again, I didn't hear from my recruiter for a decent amount of time. So I was like, okay. The last time I went to MEPS for that consult, I had asked the liaison, I was like, hey, how long do you think this is going to take? Like, I totally understand that everything is a hurry up and wait with the military. So I'm not asking, like, you guys need to, you guys need to make sure that this gets approved within two weeks or something. I just kind of wanted to know a time frame, especially because we're dealing with other military related stuff with my husband, you know, so we have another aspect of life that we're trying to mesh into all of this processing and they were like oh it should take about a month so the monthish mark hit and I was starting to get worried because I was like oh my goodness my recruiter probably got word that my waiver got denied and I'm sitting here waiting for a call and he found out five days ago but he's too afraid to call me and tell me it got denied or something and I'm just thinking all the worst case scenarios because it's just, it was so important for me to get in. Meanwhile, it was also kind of a struggle because I'm seeing my husband go to work every day, put on the uniform every day. And I'm like, ah, if only I could do that. And finally, out of the blue, um, there was some sort of training or something that my husband had to do, but he had the option to get out of it. But he couldn't give an answer until we knew on my waiver. So I texted my recruiter and I was like, hey, sir, no rush or anything. I was just wondering if you maybe had an estimate of time of when my waiver would get approved. And he called me and he never calls me. So I got a little scared before. And I was like, hello? When I answered the phone and I listened to his tone of voice and he didn't sound like disappointed or upset or anything. He just sounded very casual. So I was like, what in the world is going on? Something's not right. And he's just like, so when's your husband supposed to leave? Blah, blah, blah. Just asking all these casual questions. And I was like, oh, this time. And he was like, oh, okay. So we have a decent amount of time then. Uh, I was actually about to call you because your waiver got approved. And I was so like, he said it so casually that I literally was like, oh, okay. My waiver got approved. And then I was like, wait, my waiver got approved? And my husband was sleeping. So I like rushed into the room and shook him awake and was like, my waiver got approved. And my recruiter's on the other end of the line laughing. And my husband's just like, what? I'm like, my waiver, it was approved. And he just kind of gives this goofy smile and goes, nice, and falls back asleep. <laughs> So all that waiting, and then now you finally have your waiver approved. So what's the next step? Or what happened next? Because I, I already know the answer, but I want people to know the answer. What's the next <laughs> yeah. step? So from there, all I had to do was go in and sign a piece of paper at my recruiter's office. And then he got me scheduled to go back up to MEPS to have an inspect, which is just, for females at least, it's a pregnancy test height and weight check and then like a very very mini physical like the doctor checked our back and our arms and our legs to make sure things hadn't changed and then I did all of my processing paperwork which a lot of people said it took a, it takes a long time but it really does not take that much time and then all the fingerprinting and then it was just I think I, 
I waited around about four hours at one point because that was, I don't even remember what they were doing, but I was waiting around for four hours for something. And then at one point they came out and got me because for the Air Force, at least when you're enlisting, you have to do this thing called the X factor. So you have to lift a, you have to be a, the golden weight is 70 pounds and you have to be able to full extension it above your head. I was only able to get 40 pounds at my last MEPS visit. So I've been actually working out a lot more because my recruiter said that in a few weeks I'll be able to go back up and redo the X factor because I currently only have 27 jobs open. So once I get up to 70 pounds, then I'll be able to I'll have at least a hundred more jobs open up. So after I did all of that and I signed my final paperwork, I went down to the control desk and did my fingerprints again. And they were like, all right, go ahead and come back to the desk at this time for the swearing ceremony. And then you'll be good to go. And so I went up to the desk and we had a briefing where we watched a video of how to like do parade rest and stand out attention and all that and what the oath was and just a few of the military justice code rules and stuff. And then uh, we walked into the ceremony room and I thought I was going to cry. And the only reason I didn't cry happy tears is because the MEPS commander was swearing us in. So they told us to like be on our best behavior and everything. But if it was someone else, I probably would have been crying happy tears. But it was just an amazing feeling to actually like raise my right hand and swear in and do the oath of enlistment after fighting for so long to do that. Yeah, that's really cool. I know when I saw the picture on Instagram, I was so excited for you. So I can't even imagine what it felt like for you. Yeah, I'm really excited for you. And right now you're in the delayed entry program, right? Yes. And so you're working out and trying to get to the 70 pounds. Is there a certain job that will open up that you want to do that you're working towards or... So originally it was munitions, but I didn't, I think my ASVAB score was like two points too low for munitions. So that's not a possibility. Currently on my current list, my number one is airfield management, but all I really care about is being able to do something out on the flight line with the planes, whether it be airfield management, air traffic controller, maintenance or something. I just really want to be out with the planes. So you're waiting to go back to MEPS to do the weightlift thing, and then once you, once you do that, will you get to pick a job and get a date for basic training? So once I do that, I'll be able to go back to my recruiters and make a new job list, because currently I have, what is it, I think it's nine jobs on a list. So right now, if they do a job draft once a month, and if there's any jobs in there that open up and they're on your list, they'll put you in for that and you'll get a call from your recruiter saying, hey, job number blah, blah, blah on your list opened up. Do you want to take it? And you have the option to take it or leave it. So like if job number, if option number eight popped up and I want to ship out, but number eight isn't 
my top choice, obviously, I would probably deny it and be like, no, you know what, give it to someone else who has it higher up on their list or something. So once I do this new job list, it'll be that same situation. And I basically just have to wait until the job draft or the way I can ship out faster is if someone is signed up for that job, but backs out of either joining the Air Force or backs out of that job or something. So right now you're in like another hurry up and wait. Yeah, exactly. Is your husband stationed or set to PCS soon? Or is there anything you guys are worried about getting stationed together after you're both active duty? We were actually supposed to PCS to England last month, but he denied the orders because he was going to have to extend for three years. And it just, there were a lot of things that would have made that move really hard. Like this enlistment process was one of them. I am choosing jobs that, like I've been going online and looking at what jobs have certain bases because there's some jobs that are only at like five bases. So I'm going through and choosing the jobs that say available at almost every base or something like that because we really want to. My husband really doesn't want to leave this base because we have a home here now and this place is really starting to feel like home and he has his three-year mark will be this September and he gets out of September next year. So it's really looking like we won't be PCSing, but if we do, it would most likely be due to my job once I get out of tech school and because he's security forces you would be able to basically move wherever I go because every base has security forces. It may be I get at this new duty station a couple months ahead of him while they're trying to figure out a spot for him at that base. But because of his career field, there's a very good chance that we'll never be separated unless it's for a deployment or training. Well, I'm really excited for you and I can't wait to continue to watch you on your military journey. And like I said, when I saw the picture on Instagram, I was really super excited because the last time I had talked to you was November when you had needed the waiver. And then I th- when was that? That was April when you posted the picture on Instagram? Yeah, the end of April. Yeah, so it was a long, a long time. So I have one last question for you, though. What would you tell girls who are, like you, considering joining the military? I would say just go for it if it's really what you wanted to do. Even though it took me like 18 months total to actually swear into just the delayed entry program, to me it was worth it. And every person that that I've talked to that is currently in the military, they all said that, oh, they wouldn't have waited that long. But if it's really what you want to do, wait, do whatever, do everything that your recruiter wants you to do, do what MEPS wants you to do, and just go on with your regular life while you're doing all of this. That's really good advice. Thank you so much for your time and for talking a little bit about what your experience has been like to join the military. I think we don't always remember what it was like to go through our process of MEPS and so it's really cool to hear your story as you're going through it and maybe we'll do another interview to talk to you about BASIC which is BMT and your tech school in like a year or two so thank you so much for your time and that's all I have. Thanks for having me.
Every article of clothing, every accessory worn by a member of the military must conform to the regulation, but there are gaps in compliant clothing available for service members, particularly women. While I was on active duty, finding a purse that fell under military regulations was more than difficult. It was impossible. The purse I had found was technically non-compliant, but every purse I had found had one thing that made it so it did not meet standards. Luckily, Wilco Life understood this need and created an online boutique of minimalist style bag and accessories that meet military regulations. And even if you are not looking for a military regulations purse or bag, you should check out Wilco Life since they also offer and carry product from veteran-owned companies that don't meet military regulations. Go to wilcosupplyco.com, use the code airman to mom and save 15%. That's wilcosupplyco.com with the code airman, the number two, mom, to save 15%. Now, let's get back to the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military. 